Well, this morning we are experiencing Vision Sunday. I'm glad that you are here for this. Um, and I want to begin by asking a question. Have you ever watched a movie or read a book or uh, perhaps listened to a song and after, you know, taking it in, you feel like you understood it? But then someone points something out to you. They, they, they point out something about the movie. They give you the, the backstory to the song. They, they tell you, well, did you realize this about this book? And suddenly, it's like your mind is blown. Right? I had to put the meme in there. Uh, right? do, do you know this, uh, you know, the, the, this feeling? I had this happen to me probably about 15 years ago with a Bible passage. I remember it was my birthday. I received a music CD. Zion, uh, you can get rid of the, the guy. Yeah. No one will pay attention to me. Everyone will just watch the endless loop. Uh, but I was given a, a CD by a, a worship artist named Jamie Smith. Uh, it's, the album was called Wash Over Me. It was a great album. And I remember sitting in my office at the church where I was on staff and listening to the music. And I wanted to make sure I was getting the lyrics correct. Uh, as a musician, I tend to just be drawn to the music, and I don't always notice the words exactly right. In fact, I forget the words to the songs I've written. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure I, I got it right. So I pull out the CD case, and I pull out the little insert. By the way, anyone remember the inserts? Like, I can't tell you how much time I poured over cassette tape and CD inserts. Like, I love Spotify, but I can't just reach in and grab the insert and, and pour through it. Like, anyway, that's I digress. But I pull out the insert. And on the back cover of the insert was a Bible passage. And it jumped out at me because I had just read that Bible passage probably a week before. I was, I was doing this reading plan, reading through the whole Bible in a year, and I literally just read it. But as I saw it inside the CD insert, I thought, that's not what that says. And the reason I thought that is because it told the translation that it was from. And it was from the message. Now, back then, I had this judgmental attitude about the message. I, I don't know why. It, it's a paraphrase. I can't really call it a translation. It's a paraphrase of the Bible, but it's written by Eugene Peterson. Right? Eugene Peterson was a pastor for, I don't know, probably 40, 50 years. The guy was so faithful in ministry. He also knew the Greek. Like, he could preach from the Greek text. I mean, like, on his dumbest day, he's still five times smarter than me on my best Right? So I don't know why I was so against it, but at this time in my life, I was. And so when I saw this Bible passage in the CD insert, and I saw it was from the message, my first thought is, that's not what it says. Because I just read it like last week. I know what it says. So I reach over and I pull on my trusty NIV. I flip open, only to discover Eugene got it right. But I also discovered a passage that changed my life. The passage is Ezekiel 47. Verses 1 through 12. So if you brought a Bible, would you please open up to the book of Ezekiel? Head to chapter 47. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, don't worry about it. I've got the scripture up on the screen. But uh, at Riverwood, we highly encourage you to get a Bible. If you need one, we've got Bibles on the back table. Please take one and make it your everyday Bible. Just make it yours. We've got high-quality ones that will last you for years. And that way you can just make it a habit and pattern of reading that thing on a regular basis. Also, if you've got a smartphone with a Bible on it, Feel free to pull that out. If you don't have a Bible on your phone, download one to it. That way, wherever you go with your phone, you always have a Bible available. Now, today, we're going to do uh, verses 1 through 12. It's kind of long, so I just invite you, stick with me. Don't, don't blank out because I want you to see some things in there. We're going to kind of capture some images from all 12 verses. So we're going to start verse 1 in Ezekiel 47. Oh, by the way, the backstory here, starting in chapter 40, Ezekiel the prophet begins to have this vision, this dream. So you're going to notice the second word is he. 
the he refers to an angel that has been giving uh, Ezekiel this tour of this temple. There's questions on whether this temple is in heaven, whether it's going to be the temple that will come after like God comes back to earth. It, there's questions about exactly what is this temple. But the, the he here is this angel giving the, the tour of the temple. All right, so the tour is about to end when we come to chapter 47. Then he, the angel, brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Well, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits, that's roughly 1,500 feet, and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand cubits, and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand uh, beside the sea, from Engedi to an Eglum. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of many kinds, very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on the both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Now this passage is where Riverwood gets its name. As you notice there, the whole entire thing centers around this river. That's the first half of our name. And then you notice in verse 9 and again in verse 12, it talks about these trees that are growing along the banks, thus the wood, so Riverwood. But it's more than just a, pass, a, a passage where we get our name. It's also a passage where we get our mission. So what I want to do today as part of Vision Sunday is I want to take a look here at Ezekiel 47. Be reminded, here's what our mission is. This is the mission that God has given us. And then look back at 2019. How did we do in accomplishing the mission? Right? In the past, we've called this kind of the state of the church Sunday. This year, though, we want to call it Vision Sunday. Because we also want to look ahead. So what do we need to do in 2020 to make sure we're accomplishing this mission that God has given us? So if you would, please join me in prayer as we get ready to talk about Ezekiel 47. So Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would uh, lead and guide all the words that are said. Uh, This wouldn't be about what I or anyone else has prepared. This would be about what you have for your people. Father God, we believe that Jesus is the head of this church. We want to follow him. We want our lives to be all about Christ. And so just as this passage is centered on this this river, we want our lives to be centered upon Jesus. So Father, would you help even today as we look back and look ahead to just continue to keep our eyes upward, to keep them on Christ who lived and died and rose again. It's in his name we pray to you, Father. Amen. 
All right, a couple things I want to point out here about Ezekiel 47 is that I believe this river is representative of Jesus. I believe it's like a, a prophecy that it points to Christ. And I believe that for a number of reasons. Uh, the, the first thing is you notice that this water comes from the temple. All right? Back in the Jewish days, the temple was the place that you went to worship God. In fact, in the temple, they had this place called the Holy of Holies. That's where they believed that the presence of God resided. Well, this water is coming forth from the temple, the presence of God. Well, we know that Jesus himself came from the true presence of God, came from heaven to earth. But then you notice in verse 1, verse 2, that it goes by the altar. The altar was the place of sacrifice. It's where animals were lost their life. Their blood was shed for the forgiveness, the payment of people's sins. Well, Jesus went through the cross, the, the ultimate place of paying for the people's sins. And then we see this river go out the east gate. Well, if you go back to Ezekiel chapter 42 and 43, you'll see God enter in chapter 42, and then in chapter 43, announce that the east gate can only be used by him. Like, it's he is so holy that the fact that he used the east gate, he's the only one allowed to use it. So the, the people could use the north, west, the south. No one could use the east. Only God could. And yet this river flows out through the east side of the temple. I believe that this represents Jesus. Probably the biggest indicator to me that this was Christ is because this thing flows into what the, the ESV translates as the Arabah. That is the Dead Sea. If you know anything about the Dead Sea, it has the Jordan River flowing into it, but there's no outlet. And so the water just evaporates, leaving behind all the minerals. And over all the years, there's so many minerals in there that nothing can live. Now, it's great to float in. People who go travel, they'll, they'll go into the, the waters, and people who can't even swim are just like bobbing up and down on top of the water. There's so many minerals. But that means there's no fish, there's no plants, there's no life. Thus the name the Dead Sea. And yet this prophecy tells us that when this river crashes into the Dead Sea, suddenly it's teeming with life. And it not only specifically points out that it will have as many fish as the Great Sea, meaning the Mediterranean Sea, it even just says that wherever this river flows, there's life. Well, Jesus himself said in John 10.10 10, that he came to give life and to give it abundantly. And we see in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our sins, but when the gospel crashes into a person's life, it brings spiritual life. It raises them up. They're spiritually resurrected. And now they have this relationship with God. So I'm convinced that this river points to Jesus. And because this passage centers around this river, I believe that our church and our lives are to be centered around Christ, around the gospel. That's what we talk about being Jesus-centered people. Notice Ezekiel doesn't just see a river and describe it. He actually has an experience with it. Uh, starting down there in verse, I think it's verse 3. Uh, he has to end up walking through it. So this uh, angel measures out these 1,500 feet, and then Ezekiel walks through it. These four depths, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and in over your head, for us, we call it our pathway. Uh, it's just this where we get our, our gather, grow, give, go. We, we see the ankle deep as being the easiest. You, you step into a river, you're, you're up to your ankle. Well, for us at Riverwood, stepping into a Sunday morning worship gathering, that's easy. I mean, Anyone is welcome here. Like, this is a public place. And so for the most part, anyone who wants to come and visit, they're more than welcome to come in. We don't care about your past. We don't care about your political affiliation. We don't care what kind of job you, you have, what kind of income level you, you're at. You walk through those doors. You matter to God, so you matter to us. And so it's ankle deep. They can just step in. But notice the river keeps flowing. And Ezekiel, each time he walks through, finds itself a little deeper. And that's what we believe God wants for each of you is not to just step in to find life in the river and be content there, 
but you would continue to go deeper because the deeper you are in a river, the more push and pull that the current of the river has on you. And so we want to see you grow. That's we, At Riverwood, we talk about taking a two-handed approach. We, we want to see you grow by having personal spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible and praying, but also getting into relationships with others. That's why we have our growth groups. We want to create spaces for you to grow with others because as God uses you to help someone else grow spiritually, he'll inevitably use them to also help you grow spiritually. Something happens in the context of these relationships. So we want to see you get needy. But then we want to also see you go waste deep. Being waist deep is, is now you're really starting to feel. The, the, the flow of the, the river is really trying to draw you deeper because you're giving more of yourself to the current. At Riverwood, for us, waist deep is give. To, to give of your fist, your finances, your influence, your skills, and your time. Things that we try to hold on to for ourselves, we want to open up our hands and live generously and say, God, these things are yours because my life is yours. But ultimately, we want to see you get to a place where you're in over your head. We want to see you be, be, not be able to touch the bottom of this river. Because if you're in a river with a strong current and you can't touch bottom, the river's in control. The river can take you wherever it wants. What we long to see is that the river would take you to your neighborhood, to your school, to, to, your, to your extended family, to your coworkers. That, that he would just take you into these places and maybe even someday take you to another city in Iowa to help plant a church. To take you to another country to share the gospel. That he would just continue to take you and you just pick up your feet and say, God, take me wherever you want that is our mission. And so that's why we try to sum it all up in this mission statement. That the, the purpose of Riverwood, our mission, is to invite the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. We want to help people who are on the shores of the river step in and find life in Christ. But we don't want to stop there. We want to help them go deeper. We want to help them follow Jesus. Because we believe that God's desire for all of us is that we would be like Christ. And that's why at Riverwood we say we, we believe that God wants you to love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. That is what we are about. And that's what I get out of Ezekiel 47. But now the question is, are we doing it? Because there's a number of churches that have some sort of mission statement, and it might look great on the wall, but the actual culture and what they do in the day-to-day -day is very different. There's all sorts of businesses that say, this is what we're all about. But once the employees start working there, they realize, oh, okay, that sounds good. The reality is something else. And so we need to stop and just say, okay, are we doing this? This is what we say we're about. This is the mission God has us on. Did we accomplish it in 2019? And the answer is yes and no. So let's take a moment to look back here in 2019. And we'll just kind of go through those four areas. Gather, grow, give, go. Uh, the first thing is in gather. Most people ask me, hey, Aaron, how's Riverwood doing? And when they ask that, they inevitably follow that up. How many people are attending? Well, if you got one of the annual reports off the back table or you, you got the link, if you want the link, it's in the uh, handouts, you can uh, pull that up digitally. You'll notice in the top left corner of the big number, 83. That's how many we're seeing on Sunday mornings. Between here and back with all the kids, on average, 83 people. Now, you'll notice that it says in 2018 we were at 81. So we had a slight uptick, all right? By the way, I'm going to share some numbers today, and these numbers come from a group called the Unstuck Group. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'm participating in a cohort that Prairie Lakes Church down in Cedar Falls hosts. There's about uh, 12 different churches that are a part of this, and uh, this uh, last month and this uh, coming month, our uh, topic is metrics. What metrics should a church measure, and, and how do you know when you're, you know, in a sense, healthy? And they're using metrics uh, numbers from a group called the Unstuck Group. Uh, it's a consulting group that they had brought in. And the reason they use that is the Unstuck Group has not only consulted with thousands of churches across the U.S., 
They also have a free survey that churches can take themselves to decide to, to assess how are we doing. And they've gathered all this data. So among healthy churches, and I realize that the definition of healthy can, can fluctuate a little bit, but among healthy churches, healthy churches are growing on average 5%. So we're close. Right now, the top 10% are growing at like a 20% rate. Right? But there's also a lot of churches that are shrinking. Right? So the fact that we saw some numerical growth, that's great. But if you pay attention to the numbers, you'll see that we actually most of the uptick is right in here in our worship gathering for the adults and, and middle school and high school students. Back there, we saw a downtick back to the kids. And you may be thinking, well, how's that possible? Like we had you know, three babies born just this fall. Well, when you have a family with seven children that move away in August... We miss the twos a lot, uh, but we're happy for the new job for Jacob. But that's kind of where those numbers are. But what it means is we kind of held steady this year, which in some ways is good, but the mission is not to maintain steady. There's a world out there of people who need Jesus. We believe that this gospel message is life-changing. And that doesn't just change their eternity. It can change marriages. It can change the way they approach work. It can change relationships. It even changes the way they view themselves. We believe that the remedy that this world needs is Jesus. And so if all we're doing is maintaining, we're not accomplishing the mission. One of the ways we know whether we're accomplishing the mission is baptisms. Some churches, they, they want to count how many check marks they get. If you look at your connection card on the back side, top right corner, it says, today I follow Jesus. That, that's awesome. But here at Riverwood, that's just the beginning. We're not counting those. Because for us, it isn't just getting someone to say some sort of little prayer to, to have some indication. I mean, Jesus tells a parable of, called the four soils where, where he says that there's seed that, that goes in and yet the, the roots will, will sprout, but they don't go deep. And so it just burns up like that as soon as difficult sunshine comes out. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants true followers. And, and so we are seeking to make these followers and so one way we know people are saying yes to truly following Jesus is when they say yes to going public with their faith. Because it's really, really difficult to back away from something when you're willing to stand in front of others and be dipped and identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But in 2019, we saw one baptism. Now, that, that, it was a great moment to see Luke get to, to take Joah out into the Cedar River and to baptize him and to see Joah come out of the water and just arms launched forward. I mean, we've got this awesome picture. It was such a cool moment. I want to see that moment happen dozens of times every year, though. It, the reason in the annual report, I wanted you to see how many baptisms we've had the whole entire existence. All right, we're, we're now five and a half years old, and we've had ten baptisms, counting Joah. Our dream is to see 500 people baptized. We, we want to see 10% of, of the dis, spiritually disconnected in our region come to know Jesus. And, and so we believe that's why we're here. We're not here to try and steal sheep from other churches. We want to help those who have no church home, who feel disconnected from God. Maybe at one time they had a connection. Maybe one time they went to church. We want to be the, the place that they feel welcomed and can come in. And as God awakens their heart through the gospel, they say, I want to go deeper. I want to make this known. I want to go public with my faith. And they will walk into the baptismal waters and identifies a Jesus follower. So we've got work to do. That's why in the 21 days of prayer, about three or four times, those of you who were doing the daily devotionals with us, I invited you to just identify one person. Not one person to be a project, but just one person that God has put in your life that you just, you just feel drawn to, that you care for, that you love, and you know they do not have a relationship with Christ. 
Maybe they attend church every once in a while. Maybe they're actually been really hurt by the church and they're antagonistic toward it. Would you just be praying for them weekly, even daily, just one person? Because if you reach that one, they're going to want to go to the place where you worship. And so they will end up coming here. And guess what happens? We will grow numerically. That's the kind of numerical growth I want to see happen here. But it means we can't just come here and maintain and be happy with what we have, as good as it is. It means we come here, we are immersed in the gospel, in song, in teaching, in fellowship, and then we are dispersed out of here into our communities to take this life-changing gospel. So that's, that's gathering. The next area I want to point out is grow. Now I'm going to mix grow here a little bit with give, because normally with giving, we talk about giving your fist, your finances, influence, skills, and time, right? But when it comes to serving, we normally say that's a giving marker, but I want to put it here in growing, because to serve is an indicator of spiritual growth. Uh, there's a number of churches that just merely see uh, uh, 80% of the work being done by you know 20% of the people, but not so at Riverwood. At Riverwood, we are actually seeing 67% of you serving. Now you're wondering, okay, is that good? Like, what, what's the national average? Well, healthy churches see about 48% of their church family uh, serving, right? And the awesome thing is not only are we seeing two-thirds of you serve, you serve with joy. It, honestly, like, it warms my heart to see you guys serving each other, loving one another, welcoming our first-time guests. You guys are knocking it out of the park on this. It is phenomenal. But there's another area that I want to continue to see us grow in, and that is in our growth groups. This past year, we saw 53% of our regular attenders get into a growth group. Now, that's down a little bit because last year we had a middle school youth group, but for various reasons, we decided to encourage our kids to connect to other area youth groups. And so we saw a little downtick there in, in our numbers. Now, nationally, 58% are attending uh, 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 some sort of small group, growth group. Right? So you can look at it and say, well, man, over 50%, that, that's actually pretty good. We're, we're actually really, really close. You're right, but I'll, I'll just be honest. My prayer is to see like 75, 80% of us in a growth group. Now, just so you know, it does not mean it has to be in our Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday night group. Right? I realize there's this thing called life that happens. Um, a lot of us have little kids or we've got extended family. There's, there's health issues going on. I, I understand. But for us, just even having one friend that you get with for breakfast or coffee once a week and you just open the scriptures up and you pray with them, in my opinion, that counts. Now, this 53% does not count those because I don't know those. So if you want, you can email me and say, hey, Aaron, I am. I'm eating with someone right now. And then I go, yes, we're 54. Uh, okay? But again, our goal here is not to get as many people in this room as we possibly can. Our goal is to make followers of Jesus. And so that means we've got to help you go deeper with him. And you can't have the kind of relationship that I believe you want and that I believe God is calling you to if your whole feeding is just from me up here on the up stage. Your feeding has to come within yourself, your own time with God. That's why during the 21 days of prayer, we talked about the secret to prayer is the secret, is the secret prayer. So I want to, you find a place, get in there and start talking to God, get into the scriptures, start becoming a self-feeder because it's going to work wonders in your life and help you be a tremendous blessing those around you. So I would love to see this next year, our growth groups grow uh, a, a little bit more because I think it's going to really help you guys. All right. If, if Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night don't work, help us start a Thursday night. Help us start a Sunday afternoon. All right. Let's, let's just not allow excuses. Keep us from what God has for us. All right. So that's grow. Uh, 
lastly, uh, give and go. I'm going to kind of combine these. Under give, uh, this past year we gave uh, $5,000 to Patrick Ray. It was the first of three $5,000 checks that we're uh, going to give to him. And it thrills me to see our generosity in, in, in doing this. All right, we, we also saw a lot of you give towards our Christmas impact gift. Uh, we gave $1,000 to the Waverly Benevolence Fund. We gave $500 to the Waverly BBS, which we're a part of. I mean, I just really felt like this last year we were incredibly generous. So I was getting ready to go, man, thumbs up. We're doing awesome. But then as we started running the numbers, I realized, well, we actually saw an uptick in uh, our attendance, but our giving actually went down. And I was, I was really honestly surprised by this. And so because of these unstuck uh, group numbers, I, I asked Leanne to, to run some numbers. Because unstuck group says that, that really healthy churches are seeing about $53 given per person per week. And so I was just curious, what, what, what are we at? This is from sixth grade on up. Uh, they, the unstuck group thought that middle school students, they said start at sixth grade, Many of them are receiving an allowance, so they can start working a little you know, newspaper job or mow lawns. They can learn how to start give and be generous. So from sixth grade on up, they say healthy churches are at $53. By the way, the top 10% are $79 more per person per week uh, or higher. Right? So I was curious, where, where are we at? So we ran the numbers, and we're at $29 per person per week. Some of you are incredibly generous. You are giving a lot. Some of you, you're not giving anything. Now, I realize you might be in a difficult spot financially. I don't want you to feel like this is an arm twist. right? If anything, if, if we need to, we as a church want to help take care of you. But at the same time, if we're going to see you go deeper in this river, if we're going to see you go deeper, you cannot let your wallet dictate your life. I want to see you free. So I want to see you live a generous life that you open up your fist now, some of you, you may be giving to organizations and they're out there, fantastic, awesome, and keep doing it. But if we're going to see the mission that God has given us, it means we have to have fuel for that mission. And so if you're not giving, I'm going to ask in 2020, would you begin? Over the next several weeks, we're gonna, I'm going to roll out uh, an idea, a plan for you to begin how to give and, and even possibly how much to give. Because we have something big potentially coming up here in 2020. And it's going to require all of us together in prayer, in finances, and in our energy to make this happen. And to help share this news, I invited uh, Tim Corcoran, one of our elders, to come and share it. All right, I was nominated as tribute as a volunteer <laughs> to talk about this. Uh, so one of the things that uh, we talk about, we've been in this building for just about two years now. So we're five and a half years old. We've been in this building for quite a while, and it has been uh, a phenomenal place for growth. Uh, we came from AMVETS, where we were setting up every week, which took a ton of effort on your guys' part. And now we've gotten to the point where we're set up, and now we've seen teams grow and people grow within those roles, our environment team, our sound team, our kids' creep. It's been amazing to watch what those people have done now that's, that that pressure of setting up every week's gone. Now they can focus into those roles. And it's been really neat to see how they've grown. So the issue with the fair building is, is it has never been a long-term option. Uh, we lease it from the, fair, uh, the fairgrounds, who is leasing it from the city. Uh, if any of you have seen in the paper, the fairgrounds is moving out to the east side of town. So... We have a home here for the next two years. Uh, I think 2022 is when their lease is up. We have a home here for the next two years. 
but there is no path after that to be involved in this building or uh, the blue building across the parking lot. These buildings are going to get split up between the city, the golf course, and the hospital. So we have a need to find a new home. So this has been something that's ongoing. You want to go to the next slide? Uh, we've been looking at buildings the past several years. We have finally found one that uh, we feel like we can get the boat close enough to the dock that we can step in. In previous uh, buildings we've looked at, if you want to go to the next slide, these are some of the places we've investigated. Um, so over the past two years, I think there was, we had 14 at one point and then we remembered some more. So we have looked all over town for places, right? Some of these ended up working out. Um, some of them for where we're at now would be a step back. We'd go back to setting up. But we've actually found one here in town that uh, is, has potential for us to lease. So some of these buildings, I want to point out a couple here. Um, whoop, I'm going to stand a little farther away. Like uh, some of these we go back to setting up. Some of them, uh, there's a couple churches we looked at. They would fit us today. If we add any families, they don't fit us tomorrow. Um, the other ones, the parking was terrible. We had a lot of hopes for the Mormon church. It's set up as a church. There's very little, our thought was there's very little we would have to do to be able to meet there. We went in and uh, we tried. We <laughs> It, it was not a good fit for us. Uh, we went through a lot of discussions on how we could make it work, and it all ended up being more work than it was really worth. Um, so, like I said, these are all the ones we've looked at for various reasons, either costs, um, parking, does it actually fit for what we want to do as a church? These didn't really work. Um, and that's why you haven't seen us come up and talk about them yet. We didn't feel like it was something we could make work. Uh, if you can go to the next slide. We did find uh, this one last fall. Uh, this is the old network control building. It's out just west of the Waverly Sale Barn. Um, this came up uh, for sale last September, I think we looked at it. And at the time, uh, the finances just didn't work. There was no way that we could buy the building and remodel it as needed. Um, it's not in bad shape now, but it does need to be updated. There's work that needs to be done there. So when we first looked at it, there was not a path. Um, we kind of kept in touch with some of the realtors and we actually found the price came down and then we also found an investor that was willing to lease us uh, this property at below market rate. Um, he was also willing to do a three-year lease. And what that means is that with what we have uh, in our savings, general fund, building fund, we could commit to this building and honor a three-year lease and the construction costs if nothing changed. Um, and so that's where, as an elder team, our thought was we have found the boat, we've pulled it up to the dock, and now this is where we turn it over to you. Um, as a church body, we have to decide, are we willing to put the work in? this? Going back to the fist, this will take increased finances. Uh, our monthly payment here is $500. This is going to be, with utilities and everything, closer to $3,200. What that amounts to is about $15 per week per giving unit. It's not entirely out of reach, but it is going to stretch. Uh, the work that has to be done, uh, we talk about the eye to influence. One of the ways to help with the finances is that if we have more members. So maybe that's talking to the people that you don't normally talk to and say, hey, if you're looking for a church, this is it. That's a good fit for other people. For other people, it's saying hello and having a conversation to the people that are in church that you don't recognize. Just building that people, when people do come, making them feel comfortable. Um, so everybody can affect that, whether you're out there talking to everybody that you see to come to church or whether you're just making the people that do come more comfortable, you can impact 
how we grow as a church. Uh, the skills, there will be work that needs to be done. There will be support for the people working that needs to be done. And then the time, this will take a few months to get ready for us to do. Um, but what we've set out, if you want to go to the next slide. Oh, we've got a floor plan, roughly. Uh, we can get that emailed out. Um, and we're also going to email out a schedule for everybody of the next two weeks. So as we said, we're turning this over to you as a church party to decide. Uh, we feel like it's a good option. That's why you're hearing about it. I, we had the list of 15 or however many buildings that don't fit. We've got a building that we think does fit, but it's not our choice to make because we're asking a lot of you, and that's your call. You get to make that decision. So what we're looking at today is to let you know. I'll be around after church. If you guys have any questions today, um, feel free to come up to me or any one of the other elders. Um, to ask. We are also going to Saturday. We're going to have a time set up that anybody that wants to go see it can walk through. Um, we'll have the floor plan displayed then and just kind of some ideas. Uh, next Tuesday night from 6.30 to 7.30, we'll meet here and give everybody a chance to ask more questions. Um, you guys, stuff's going to come up over the course of the week. You'll be thinking about it. We thought about doing it today, but we'd rather give you some time to process and then uh, bring questions next Tuesday. And then two, sorry, Tuesday of next week. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, Ed, eighteen thirty to nineteen thirty. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> two weeks from today, we'll ask you to vote on it. Um, so that's kind of the timeline. Today is the introduction to give you the idea. We're going to have kind of information gathering and uh, give you guys a chance to look at it and ask questions over the next uh, week and a half. And then two weeks, we'll ask you guys to decide what you want to do going forward. Um, and that's it. <laughs> so if you guys have any questions today, feel free to find me after uh, the service or any one of the other elders. And with that, I think I'll turn it over to Aaron. Or do you want me to? You go. <laughs> one day we'll get Tim preaching. Uh, he, he will be up here and we'll do an awesome job. Um, guys, the building is exciting. It's not the mission. The, the, the mission is making disciples. It, it's inviting the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. We can do that in the network control building. We can do that in Drosty Hall. We can go back to a school and set up and tear down every week. This is the mission. We can't lose sight of that. I know several churches that in moving into a building project... In my opinion, they lost sight of what mattered. If you've ever heard the phrase, keep the main thing, the main thing. For us, the main thing is Jesus. A building is merely a way for us to try to communicate to a community about this Jesus. I happen to know of people that judge us based on this building. They drive by and they see the size and they think certain things. And so they won't give us a visit. There are people who drive by and they think we're not a real church because we don't have our own building. Because in many minds, a church is not necessarily the people. A church is the building. In, in some ways, this actually helps us to accomplish the mission that God has given us. But I do not want you to lose sight that it is not this that is a magic bullet. It's the gospel. And that's what we're going to be about. Whether we're there, whether we're here, or whether God provides something else entirely. 
So if you uh, are not a Riverwood partner and would like to, so that you can, yeah, by the way, if you're not a Riverwood partner, you can still come Saturday. You can still come next Tuesday. Uh, all right, Th these things are open to you. But if you would like to have your, your say, your vote into this, would you just write that on your connection card? I'm willing to help put together a, a, a Riverwood 101 class and we can even do it on February 8th, and, and we'll just do it in a few hours, and that way you can then speak into it on, on uh, Sunday the 9th. Um, but please indicate that on your connection card or contact me directly. But even in the midst of this, I just want to remind you guys, Ezekiel 47 is all about this river, and Ezekiel went deeper into it each time. That's what we're about. And if this building can help us achieve that better, Awesome. And it's going to take all of us together on it. But if God has something better in mind, awesome. And we'll follow that direction together. Because Jesus is the head of this church. And that's what we can't lose sight of. Because we are Riverwood. We are a gathering of people who are here to invite the, the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, we want to commit all of these things to you. Lord, you tell us in Proverbs 16 to... Uh, Basically, the man puts together their plans, but it's you who makes them succeed. God, we truly want to follow you. This is all about you and your mission. Uh, Father, I believe that you are the one who started Riverwood Church. You are the one who sees the future for Riverwood Church. And you are the one who desires to work through Riverwood Church. So God, we pray that your plans would come to uh, fruition. That you would make them to succeed. And God, would you do this in such a way that we, as the, the people, cannot take the credit that instead you will give all the credit and glory for the way that you worked through us. Father, I pray that you would help us in 2020 to see amazing things happen. Not just to see a building become ours, but to see some people find Jesus, to see some people go public with their faith through baptism, to see more people get into groups to study the scriptures, to see us continue to live generously toward this community, that we even might this next year get to help other church planters or, or help other overseas missionaries, that we would see, even as we, we look at this idea of needing more funds for ourselves, that at the same time, our eyes would be upward and outward. So God, would you just make 2020 the type of year that we'll be telling our grandkids about? Would you do this for your glory? Because I know it will be for our joy. We pray and commit all of these things to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.